You're listening to the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast, your number one source for discussions about the Vols and Lady Vols basketball programs. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Now, get ready for a new episode of Vol Basketball Fever. Hello, everyone, and welcome in to another episode of the Vol Basketball Fever Podcast. I am Nathaniel Rutherford, joined by Gene Henley here for another episode of the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in, whether it's on the podcast, whether it's on YouTube. Thank you all so much for giving this show a chance and listening along if it's your first time or it's your 50th time. We really appreciate you tuning into the show. If you're on YouTube, give this video a like and subscribe to the channel while you're here. Also hit those notification uh, bell there so you get notified whenever we send out a new video, whether it's a podcast, an interview, or when the season's going on, we do opponent previews and game matchups and things like that as well. And also, again, subscribe to the podcast if you prefer the audio version. Well, Gene, we, we are not lacking for topics uh, for the episode today. Uh, since we last spoke, it, it feels like a trillion things have happened. Uh, earlier in this week, uh, I was thinking on Monday or so, I was like, you have, we have some things to talk about. We have, you know, Tennessee picking up Tyreek Key as a transfer. He officially signed earlier this week. Uh, you had Yuri Collins deciding to stay at St. Louis. So I thought that's big news. And then Tennessee putting out, you know, it's coming out that they're in the top six for another coveted point guard transfer that he's coming to visit Knoxville soon. And then, I mean, everything has just happened this week, Gene. The first thing I feel like we need to talk about is the latest bit of news here that just happened literally like an hour and a half, two hours before we started recording here on Wednesday night. And that is Justin Powell, who transferred from Auburn to Tennessee for this past season. Gene, he's the latest Tennessee volunteer to put his name in the transfer portal, at least, you know, according to reports. I think it was Jeff Goodman was the the first person I saw that tweeted about it. Uh, but Justin Powell, after one year in Knoxville, putting his name in the transfer portal is just the latest uh, Tennessee player to put his name in the transfer portal. Uh, everyone else, I believe, now at this point has selected their transfer destination, except for Andre Tamba. Uh, we'll get to Brandon Nelly Hatfield in just a second, but we'll kind of touch on him and where he's going in, in a minute. Um, but Gene, Justin Powell is... It's an interesting one. He's a guy who we talked about quite a bit when he, you know, came or I guess announced his transfer to Tennessee uh, last year from Auburn. Actually, right around the same time last year was in I think mid late April when he announced he was coming to Tennessee um, from Auburn, where he played in a handful of games before sustaining a concussion, and then you know didn't play the rest of the year for Auburn. Came to Tennessee with I'd say pretty high hopes, even though he was you know you knew he had the injury. He was basically kind of being you know kind of a, a freshman for the most part coming into Tennessee. Uh, pretty high hopes, I would say, from from all fans, especially of you know what he can do as a shooter, uh, as a part time ball handler as well at Auburn. Uh, never really quite got it going. We, we talked multiple times on the show about it seemed like he was afraid to shoot. I don't know if he was in his own head. I don't I don't know what exactly it was, uh, but he ended up playing thirty games for Tennessee, three point seven points, one point five rebounds in those thirty games. He averaged. I want to say less than 10 minutes a game before, sorry, 14.1 minutes per game. He did make a start as well. Uh, he shot 38% from three, but he only took two threes a game because again, he wasn't, he didn't play in every game, only played 14 minutes and it didn't, I don't know, he just didn't shoot the ball as often as you would have liked. Gene, it's not a, I guess it's not a shocker to me, but it's also worth noting that, you know, he already used his one time, you know, free one time transfer to come to Tennessee. So, 
if he stays in the transfer portal and he transfers, he's going to have to sit out a year if he goes, you know, stays in Division One. The only way he could play next year is if he goes Division Two or if he goes overseas, which there's been some interesting scuttlebutt about him looking overseas to do something in a, in a pro league or something. So I, I don't know, you know, if that's going to be, you know, turn out to be accurate or not. But it's, this is an interesting one, Gene, and, and silly me for thinking that Tennessee was going to have less roster turnover this offseason than the last offseason because now we're, I think, the exact same number of guys who are transferring off this roster as you had last year. So I, I, I guess just the Justin Powell stuff to me, it's another loss like Brendan Huntley Hatfield in the terms of, of what could have been. The potential was there. It just never lived up to it in their one year at Tennessee, and, and Powell had the shooting stroke again in his limited action, shot the ball fairly well from three. It just... He never, he never clicked offensively and especially defensively. That was a thing you and I harped on so much was, you know, why Victor Bailey played over him, why even Jemai Meshack got minutes uh, over him in, in some in some areas because Powell's defense was never good. Um, he was probably the worst defender on the team, which on this team, that's not, you know, saying as much as some other teams because this was just such an elite defensive team. But he probably was of consistently the guys that played the worst overall defender on the court at any given time for Tennessee. So it's a loss from the from the perspective of there's a lot of potential there with Justin Powell, but I don't know. I mean, I, I'm he he's one that I'll be intrigued to see where he goes because if he, again if he goes somewhere in in Division One, he's got to sit out. So I don't know. It, it's not baffling, but it's also just kind of another. All right, well, Tennessee's got another spot to go fill now. Right, and I think first and foremost, uh, I hope the kid figures out just what he wants out of college. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, two schools, two years, two transfers. Um, he could obviously, we all know he could, he could come back, although it doesn't seem as though that's the case. Otherwise, I mean, like the timing of the whole May 1st deadline, there's been, you know, obviously a, a, a ton of kids. Um, I, I could, I may later in the podcast throw a name uh, that if I was Tennessee, I would keep an eye out for, um, but they, like, I don't know what the kid is looking for. You know, I, I think I brought this up last week on the podcast that um, it wasn't like Auburn was that good last year. And I think we're so used to what Auburn's been in these other seasons that we kind of overlooked the fact that, yeah, there was a ton of roster turnover like, throughout the course of the season you know, Sharif Cooper and um, and all that, but, you know, obviously the Powell injury, but that was a below 500 team last year. And so I think as a result, you tend to maybe prop some stuff up that, you know, some some numbers up and some stuff in terms of just how good some of these kids were. You know, one of those, one of their leading scores last year, I think their third leading score for the season uh, is about to play as last year at UTC. Um, or fourth, maybe fourth in school, whatever it was. I think he averaged nine and a half a game. Um, you know, Powell's on school number three. You know, Cooper obviously went pro, and we'll see how that works out for him. But, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a case to me where this kid needs to figure out just what he wants because it's very easy to get to college and chase something, but – when you go, when you get to school number three in three years, you're not chasing something that what's going to be the answer for you. And that's not, that that's not so easily answerable. 
Like, I don't know what the answer to that is. I think only this kid truly knows what the answer to this question is. And so I think that's the big thing for me because at some point for me, it does become about more than just simply playing in college. Like that's obviously what this podcast is about. That's what we're talking about. That's what the whole basis of what fans we all want to do. But when you're in a situation like this, I mean, what are you looking for? Like, what is it? Like, what's the end game, Spence? Uh, like Dan Levitard said on the first episode of uh, what's that show? Uh, Ballers. Like, what's the end game? Like, what are you trying to accomplish? And I don't know if he knows that right now. Because I think things started off so well in those 10 games at Auburn that maybe you could, I don't want to say be delusional about what you are, but I mean, they ran a lot of stuff through him at Auburn that year. And since those 10 games, he hasn't been anything near that. And so like, I'll be interested to see what his next step is. I mean, for him to play next season, he need, either needed to go down or get a waiver I don't know what the I don't know what he could use to make himself eligible next season. Uh, there's probably a compliance person somewhere that can that could use something. I just don't know what that thing is. And again, at the end of the day, we're not talking about kid who's been in school for four or five years and has transferred twice. We're talking about a kid who's been in school for two years and has transferred twice. And be it bad information he's getting or uh, just personal desire to chase something, you know, about who you are as a player. I get that. But um, at some point, he's going to have to stick somewhere. And whatever his reasons are for transferring, uh, I hope they're legit and I hope that they're good and you know, but like I said, more than anything else, I hope the kid decides and realizes just what, just what he's wanting to accomplish in his college career because we're two years in and I don't think he has a clue. Yeah, and that's a really good point, and that is one that um, I'm glad you brought up. Is yeah, it, like you said, it's not just that he's transferred two times. He said he's transferred two times in two years. It's not like you said. It's not like a a guy who's played four years and now he's, he transferred once. Now he's using his, you know, his graduate transfer fifth year to go to a, another school. This is a guy who came to Auburn as a, he, he wasn't a four star. He was, a, I think he's a high three star, but you know, he wasn't the most highly touted prospect. They have potential uh, six, six wing. Um, those are always, you know, those, those are, are nice uh, kind of body types you like to have on the court. Um, came to Auburn with, I think, some hope and, and you know some potential there. And like you said, played 10, 11 games there, had the concussion, and just hasn't been the same since. And again, yeah, concussions affect people differently just in varying ways. I, yeah, I you know, don't know how that affected him. That could have affected him in ways that you know he wouldn't want to talk about, that Rick Barnes wouldn't want to talk about, or, or maybe you know, maybe he didn't. We don't know. That's that's just my point. It's like we don't know you know, how that affected him or how concussions affect anybody. So, yeah, it could be, that, that again, that case, maybe it's just he's not himself still and he hasn't, you know, gotten back to 100% and maybe that, you know, messed with his head in terms of like this past season where he was not, you know, it seemed like he was, I wouldn't say afraid to shoot. He just, it just seemed like he was more hesitant to shoot than I expected him to be as a guy who is supposed to be a shooter and who was a shooter. Uh, and and a, a, like you said, the offense ran through him for the most part at Auburn while he was playing in there. And then obviously Sharif Cooper came in and offense ran through him. And then that, that year, again, that Auburn was not very good that season either. 
Um, but again, it does open up another you know spot for Tennessee. You now have, um, we'll get to in a second, both uh, Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James are in the NBA draft, as along with you know Kennedy Chandler. That's your top three scores on the team from last year, Gene. Uh, I guess really quickly on that, I mean, I expect both Vescovi and, and Josiah to come back, but God, I don't want to play the what-if scenario, but you know, what if they don't? That, that's, that's probably for your future you know, episode, but I expect both those guys to come back uh, next season. Uh, if they don't, Tennessee's in a whole world of hurt, but they, they put their name, or Josiah didn't even make an announcement. Like it was just announced, you know, of the 283 players who were early entrants to put their name into the NBA draft, it was announced, you know, that he was just on the list. Like he didn't make a, a post about it on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. Um, not, not to say that, you know, all the kids who do that are, you know, wanting attention or whatever. Just that just is Josiah. He just low key and doesn't really use social media very often. Except for that one time where he freaked everybody out and said, <laughs> said what he said a couple weeks ago, we talked about it on the podcast. Um, but I expect both those guys to come back. But right as of right now, I mean, you've got your top three scores from last year, uh, technically not on the team with Kennedy Chandler, Vescovy, and, and James. But again, I expect two of those three to come back. I don't expect Kennedy Chandler to come back. Um, you've got John Fulkerson, who, who you know, finally graduated in his, his 23rd year at Tennessee. Brendan Huntley Hatfield, Justin Powell, Victor Bailey, Quentin DeBonger, and Andre Tamba all transferring off the roster, which again, you're basically at kind of the same kind of roster turnover as last year for, for Tennessee uh, at this point in terms of guys who are transferring off. And kind of like last year too, it's been mostly role player guys. Last year you had obviously your two star freshmen go into the NBA. This year you have your star freshmen go into the NBA. Um, you had Eve Pons graduate and go into the NBA. Fulkerson graduating. I don't know where he's going to go. I'd, I'd, I'd wonder if he'll go overseas or what he'll, what he'll do. But I imagine if he wanted to have a job in Knoxville or anywhere in East Tennessee, he, he could find a job pretty easy. Um, but I think he's probably will stick in basketball. Just will be curious to see if he goes and pursues overseas, you know, stuff. He, he did that. Um, with, I can't remember what it was now. He did that. that, that, that some highlight thing that he he made that giant dunk on somebody because they decided to go you know guard him out in the perimeter which no one has ever done before to John Fulkerson um but the the whole point in getting all this is that you have a lot of roster spots to fill Gene and you so far haven't made too many additions but that's fine we're still in it's late April like I'll, I'll talk about in a second I think some people kind of started to hit the panic button a little bit earlier this week when when some news hit about one of Tennessee's targets remaining at the school but remaining at his his current school but Gene, before we get to all that, I do want to mention Brandon Huntley Hatfield going to Louisville. That to me, it's funny. You and I were talking before we started recording the podcast last week, and you said to me you thought Louisville would be a good fit for him. But then we both said, "But he's going to Auburn, probably, so it doesn't matter." Well, Gene, he's not going to Auburn. He's not. He's not going to the SEC. So it, it you know, he he's going to Louisville. Uh, I guess. I'll be very intrigued to see how he fits there once he, what he does there. But why do you think that you said again, off, off the podcast last week that you thought that'd be a good fit for him. What in your mind makes that a good fit for um, Brandon? Well, you get a chance to be coached by the best big man coach in the country um, in America and Kenny Payne. Hmm. And, you know, like if you look, you know, there was a time when Kentucky's bigs were feared. And that time has been since. <laughs> uh, that, that time was obviously when Kenny Payne was there. When he went to the Knicks, weren't quite as fair. You know, like you you had an Anthony Davis under Kenny Payne. Uh, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. Just 
Nerlens Noel, just basically just look at the NBA at All-Stars. And pretty much almost everyone, I, I think DeMarcus Cousins was his too. Um, they had the other big from Kentucky that year. I don't remember his name. Daniel Horton. Uh, I think he got a chance to like, yeah, to, you know, grab a sip of coffee, coffee in the, in the WNBA before moving on. But um, if this kid is what people smarter than us project him to be, which is a, a top notch sort of big, then that's where you go to bring that out of. Um, again, like it's not a knock on people. It's just, you know, there's certain people who run programs certain ways. You know, Tennessee builds their program from the out, you know, from the outside in. They go get their guards, they go get their wings. And then like Vegas is kind of like a throwaway position. Yeah, you, you get the talented players, but they not they don't necessarily turn out to be key pieces of what you're trying to build. Um, I'm imagining that um, Louisville is going to build it from the inside out, which uh, is some of the pieces. I mean, Huntley Hatfield is a talented piece. I don't, I know what I saw last year. I know what everybody else saw. We all have eyes. I'm telling you, if that kid can figure some stuff out, he's going to be a dangerous player. And we're better to go than, again, a chance to be coached by a great big coach. And and again, you're in a conference that is historically the best or one of the two best in the country. Uh, we thought they were down this year and they had what three teams in the final eight um, and two in the final four. And we all thought they were down this year because Citadel beat Pitt and Furman beat Louisville. Um, and yeah, like, you're getting a chance to play in some of these in a league that, uh, yeah, Carolina is going to supposedly be great. Speaking of teams that built from the inside out, um, you know, Carolina will supposedly be great, but we'll see what happens with Duke. Um, some of them, the Syracuse, eventually Bayham going to be done there. I mean, like you're just looking around Florida State. You, you've got some really good programs in that league. So you're going to have a chance to be, you know, to be pushed every single game. And, and so I wouldn't be stunned to see maybe next year be a rough one for them. I don't know. It is also a second year of college. So at some point you have to expect more out of him. But um, I also imagine that he could be in a situation where uh, he's developed in a way to where he turns into one of the top players um, at his position. And I mean, I don't, I'm not out here predicting NFL, I mean, NBA, NFL, NBA superstar out of him, but I'm, I'm thinking that he'll turn into a very productive player at, very, at the very least at the college level. And then perhaps from there. Yeah, those are great points. And Kenny Payne himself was a really good post player. He's 6'8". He played for Louisville back in the 80s. Uh, he won a national championship with them as a freshman, but also went on to be a first-round draft pick into the NBA. He didn't didn't pan out in the NBA, but he played overseas for a while and was you know actually very good over there overseas. Um, but yeah, you mentioned assistant at Kentucky from 2010 to 2020. So for a decade was an assistant at Kentucky and was the associate head coach for uh, a large chunk of those years as well. And like, like you mentioned, like the post players that Kentucky had from in that decade from 2010 to 2020, you, you just mentioned like they're guys who were number one overall draft picks. There were guys who are still in the NBA and still making waves in the NBA. I mean, you know, 
Carl Anthony Towns, you just mentioned, like he's a guy who's been a, a big name this year, especially, but you know, Davis, Nerns in the Well, Cat. I mean, it, there's all kinds of big men in that decade that he was at Kentucky that, you know, were super successful. And again, I mean, like you said, that doesn't mean that Huntley Hatfield's going to go and be the next great big or anything like that. But if there's a guy who can turn him into that, it's, it's Kenny Payne. If there's a guy, like you said, that, that can get the most out of a, a post player, it's Kenny Payne. So I'll be interested to see if, you know, Huntley Hatfield decides to do more back the basket or if he's going to still be the, you know, kind of that three that he wanted to be apparently, you know, reportedly at Tennessee and, you know, that's why he chose to, to go ahead and transfer. So I ever think you're right. I think it's a really good landing spot for him. And I, I think hopefully it's what he realized. And it wasn't just like a NIL thing. But it was just an NIL thing. I think he made the right choice in terms of the, the fit of, of, you know, coaching styles and whatnot. Uh, we'll see because this is Kenny Payne's first time as a head coach too. So we'll see if, you know, how he works as a head coach, but he has, he has the makeup to be, I think a, a pretty good head coach in my opinion. Let me add this too. And this is no knock. This is no shot. So anybody that listens to this, please don't think I'm taking shots. Can we all collectively quit taking the sourcing of these reports uh, at face value? Um, I say that because there's certain sometimes when I read things that are out there and I try not to, maybe because I understand this industry, um, it always becomes very one-sided. Mm-hmm. That's when we read about these things that these kids are supposedly saying, and this kid, these kids are supposedly doing is obviously coming from a coach on the staff. So therefore who stands to lose, you know, like it is, it's the players who aren't allowed to really say anything because if they post something, everybody's immediately in the comments talking about, well, you're not going to do, you're not going to get this. You're not going to get that at the next school, you know, good riddance and all this. And I I don't, I'm not comfortable with that because I do know, again, I'm sorry if I'm out here, you know, pulling up the cart. I mean, I I don't want to do this thing where I spend all my time taking every, taking every report about a kid's attitude and practice, um, you know, a kid's mentality, you know, what the kid wanted. Maybe the answer in a lot of these cases is right smack dab in the middle in terms of what these kids truly wanted. But because the kid's in the portal and we're not hearing from them anymore, now we're only hearing what one side is saying. And usually that's the side that's going to say something to benefit themselves. Because, I mean, and because obviously what we know is this stuff is not coming from Brandon, Brandon Huntley Hatfield's camp. Because, because I doubt that Huntley Hatfield's people, whatever you want to call it, um, would say, yeah, we think he deserves 30 minutes a game. Because I, I don't think it, there's a person out there that thinks that <laughs> in Huntley Hatfield's you know, group that would think that that would look good or sound good from him. So obviously it's coming from the Tennessee side, fair, foul, right or wrong. I'm sorry. I feel like we should on this. We're all a family here when we do these things. And I feel like we can have these conversations at a family. And I I just don't like where we, what we've done now, where we take a report, treat it as gospel and then immediately say, well, this is, well, this is what this kid wanted. This is what this kid wanted. It's great fodder. It's great for us to discuss if that's the case. And that's what Nathaniel and I will do on the, in these cases. 
but I think taking it as gospel and kind of using that as an indictment against the kid as to why he'll never make it, that I'm not fond of. Now, when we can when we can say, yeah, maybe the kid was thinking, essentially the kid want, thinks he's a better player. Uh, then, and I don't think that's a surprise. I, I think that's just watching the games. The kid thinks that he was probably not used, utilized. That's what I saw. That has nothing to do with the minutes per game stuff. That has nothing to do with what position. I, I just felt like he always he he was raised in this game as a different player than what he was at Tennessee. That goes without saying. That just maybe comes from just a small amount of knowledge, just having you know having had a chance to see him play in some AAU, um, and that's fine if we want to have these conversations. But when this conversation is over, when this podcast is over, I'm not going to be going getting ready for bed thinking, "How many Hatfield man thirty minutes? Does he really think he deserves thirty minutes a game? <laughs> the nerve of him!" And like, and I think that there are people who we'll take that and we'll like, yeah, we can laugh about it um, here, but I think too many people are taking that as gospel and running with it and you treating that as an indictment on the player. And I think that's maybe a step too far. It's information because the guys who do that job up in Knoxville are great guys. And look, they, they've got their source and they've got their people. Um, and that's fine if that's what they want to do. Um, but I would just, I'm just not a fan of us taking the word of, you know, coaches and not even giving an 18 year old kid who doesn't know what he's going through, who doesn't know what life is like, is going to be like for him, treating that as gospel. Because I know, you know, if my son is fortunate enough to play basketball in college, he's 17 now. If somebody were to, if two years from now he's trying to transfer to another school and I'm reading reports about what he wants, and I know that's false, but I can't say anything, then I'm getting ticked off. So I just don't want to do that. I want to give this, I want to give these kids the same sort of respect that I would want to, that I would want given to me and my family in this time. Yeah. There, there are two sides to every story. Uh, like you said, and we usually, usually only hear one side of it until maybe it's years later. And I think a, a prime example of that to me, I don't always go back to this when talking about kind of the complexities of, of it not always being black and white is in 2016 with Jalen Hurd on the Tennessee football team. There was so much of a narrative for a year or, or two or maybe longer than that of only Tennessee side of things of Jalen Hurd quitting on the team of you know of, of, of him being the quitter of him being the bad guy and of all fans hating on him and some fans still hate on him and, and still don't like him but that view has softened a lot oh maybe not a lot but it's softened on him because as the years have gone by more information came out he did he's done a couple of different interviews you know when he was at baylor um and and stuff too about his side of the story where it wasn't just what butch jones and that staff were, were putting out there to make themselves look better but that you know he talked about the concussions he talked about the injuries he talked about how he was lied to basically about how he's going to be used in the offense and then they you know showed him some promise of one game at the bowl game and then came back next year and were using him the exact same way they always had been and then he had that he had a concussion he didn't feel like he should be out there and he shouldn't have quit mid-game like he did and maybe leave mid-season like he did 
So, I mean, I'm not, again, I mean, this is not a football podcast, but I'm not excusing what her did. I'm just saying that there are still two sides to every story. He didn't handle it the way he should have, but he's also like a 21 year old kid. Like we all make mistakes. I don't think we should all be held, you know, unless you've murdered somebody. I don't think you you should be held, you know, to what you did as a 21 year old for the rest of your life. And my, again, I'm not comparing Britt Barnes to Butch Jones. I'm not saying they're doing the same thing that that staff did, but you're right, Gene. Like there's, there are two sides to a story. And sometimes even more than that. And in this case, we've only really heard one side of it. And it's some of it's outlandish. Like, I, I don't even think that some of it's come directly from coaches. I think some of it's been exaggerated by you know, message boards or by other people or whatever. But you're right. Like, regardless, I think what it boils down to is what you said. He felt that he was a better player than what he had shown on the court and that he could be, you know, could show it if he'd been maybe given more time on, on the court or maybe in a different position. And that wasn't what the staff wonder what was what the staff thought you know how he best could serve the team so he's moving on i don't you know it's a totally different story with justin powell too because you know that's a totally different subject but you're you're right gene like and that's what we i think you and i hopefully do a good job of trying to do that on this show of not just reacting to whatever headline not just reacting to the one side of a story We, we we try to make sure there's nuance and make sure we discuss it. Cause like you said, I, I like to think of, you know, this is a community. We literally have a Twitter community <laughs> on, on Twitter of the fall basketball fever on the communities tab there. So like, I like to think of this as a community where we can have these type of, of discussions and be frank and say, Hey, you know, this really is only one side. I haven't me personally, I've missed it. I've not heard anything from Brandon or his family or you know anybody involved with him on their side of this, you know? And like you said, Sometimes they can't speak on these things uh, for, you know, other reasons. So, yeah, that, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Like You seem like you want to say something, so let you say, say that before we move on to the next topic. Yeah, no, I was just going to say there's not many industries. Sports is the only industry where we side with management over labor. And, <laughs> yeah, you're uh, right. <laughs> it's, it's, the one to, it's the one time where, I mean, imagine being at work and management is telling you, telling other people about your job and you're like, that's not what happened at all, but everybody's believing that side. And that's essentially what we've done. But no, I, I look, as, as it pertains to Powell, we don't, we don't, the only information that we have is that the kid is in the portal. And, and sometimes it doesn't have to be more than that. Like it doesn't always have to be like, you know, sometimes people can, will, will form their own narratives, but um, there's sometimes where you just don't need necessarily have to help them form it and you know like it, it, and what's and what's going to happen obviously is uh Hunt, Huntley Hatfield is going to go on he's going to play a role wherever he's at he's probably not going to play 30 minutes a game next year folks he's probably going to play like 20 can he be productive in those 20 um like I, I think sometimes um you, you let's say you're dealing with an 18 year old kid and a, an 18 year old kid who has I do think has some maturing to do Mm-hmm. But I, I don't want to do the thing where we start throwing a bunch of details that could make it look worse, especially when the kid's not obviously not going to defend himself. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see what happens with the kid. But right now, I, again, I'm actually more concerned about Powell just because you are, like I said, you're talking about two, two years and, you know, two years in college, getting ready to go on year number three um, with no degree. You know, like, I mean, obviously there are kids who have been, you know, like, like I said, Chattanooga just got a kid who played at Auburn two years ago, who's on his fourth year, but he's graduated from college. He had one year of eligibility left. He had a, he had a relationship with uh, one of the new assistant coaches in, in Chattanooga. And it's a good spot for, because he's got the COVID year. 
He's got a degree though. Um, and so I think that's a little different, but when you're just chasing and chasing, this is college, man. These are four, four or five or in this day and age, six of the best years or seven in some cases of the best years of these kids' lives, because eventually you're going to be out here in this real world. And guess what? This real world ain't all that fun at times. And so like, this is a time where you can just find a spot where you can just be happy at, take time to make this decision. You know, like I'm, I sound like Justin Powell listens to his podcast. If he does, man, shout out, man. Appreciate you listening. Uh, long time. First time, long time. Um, you know, like I, if just take, take the time to make the right decision. So you're not in the portal again next year. If that means going out of the SEC, going to like a, a UT Chattanooga or Furman or somewhere along those lines to where you can get the sort of attention that you want or that you crave or you desire. Um, because I said this much, and you brought up Josiah and we can move on. It's very interesting that Josiah has put his statement. I mean, I guess it just came out today mm-hmm. or yesterday, but man, that's something that you thought would have come out a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah Barnes mentioned it. Like, yeah, they, when they talked to Barnes, I remember when it, when it was now, it was it was right around not too long after Vescovy had put his name in. And Barnes, like, said at the time that he, he more or less said Josiah is doing it. Like, he didn't say that he had put in there, but he said that he is doing it. So, like, they knew it was happening. But you're right, like, it, 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 it just, it's very Josiah that he didn't announce it, but it is still kind of weird that there wasn't an announcement, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, when we when we report this stuff, like again, yeah, like I said, I mentioned the kid from Chattanooga, uh, the kid from Chattanooga, Malachi Smith, just put his name in the portal today. Um, that's not the name I mentioned earlier that fans should actually keep an eye on. I, I would um, love to get Malachi Smith to Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, I, I've actually I got a better one for you that I'll mention at some point. Um, but you know, like it got announced, like it was big news today that that kid put his name in the portal. Well, it's because he has to. You know, he's in the, he's currently in the NBA draft. Uh, he's getting, you know, feedback about his draft prospects, but he has to be in the portal by May 1st. So, so or he can, or he has to go back to UTC. Uh, okay, since I've already said it a few times, I've teased it twice. Uh, keep an eye on Ben Shepard from Belmont. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I'm just going to throw that name out there. He may not go. Um, I've heard from some people. I guess, I don't know, relatively close, whatever you want to call it, uh, that I'm trying to tell people <laughs> that's, that's, that that becomes a top three player in the portal. Um, and that kid would have been a top three player in the portal um, had he gone in March, in April, <laughs> in May, whenever. Um, I'm just telling you that's a 6'6 six, six wing player who I'm guessing was probably one of the leading scorers at Belmont, if not the leading scorer. He's athletic. He's tall. Uh, he's fast. He can play. Um, and he's got good, he's got good size. So uh, that's just a name. I don't know if there's any, there, there may not be any meat to that. He may not go portaling. Um, I know right now, if he does go portaling, that there is at least, one SEC school that will be interested that is trying to get in, get in front of the game, um, get out way out in front of that. And that, that is, I mean, I won't go in, I won't give you anything else, but um, 
get like the timing of a lot of this stuff is interesting. And that's one thing that I just like to keep an eye on. I mean, when kids decide on April 27th or April 28th or or any time over the next four days, that's, that's interesting because usually these decisions are made in February and March and April, 1st of April, not now at the deadline, because if you put, if you do it this, at this late in the game, you're not going back. Kids who do it in mid-March, they could easily take their name out. Uh, the Collins kid from St. Louis, you know, put his name in, what, two weeks ago, and then decided he was going to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sorry, Tennessee fans, but uh, these things are always a possibility, and I think you'll be fine, and I think that the kid that you're going after now is just as good, if not better, and probably a better shooter. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of rambling. Um, I said the hunk capital thing is unfortunate. Uh, we'll see what happens with uh, with Powell. Uh, we'll see what happens with Hunter. Congratulations on Tyree's key or Tyree key. Yeah, Tyree, that's a good Tyree tra- next year is going to be rough. <laughs> yeah, that's a good transition because that that was going to go ahead and mention key, but that, to kind of circle back to there was something you said there that. I was I was going to circle back to before he got to Key, and I don't know what it what it is now. But yeah, that that was another big piece of news that happened since we last recorded. We we talked about last week's mailbag episode. We were asked about you know Tyreek Key, Yuri Collins, and and uh, Julian Phillips, kind of the big three that Tennessee had been pursuing. Well, Tennessee get one of the three, and one they're still pursuing, and Julian Phillips, and that whole thing is he just visited. But I, I, we won't go ad nauseum about him right now. But I was give an update. He visited Auburn. Looked like he apparently had a good time. He did an interview, but apparently wasn't as blown away as, you know, some kids are after Auburn visits or maybe he's really good at hiding his feelings in interviews. But I think Tennessee is still uh, right there with maybe with Auburn. But again, Gene, we talked last week. I would, I, I'm going to have to believe it before I see it with him. And his recruitment has really made no sense to me. It just, it's been kind of all over the place. So I, that one, I, I don't, I don't want to have a feel on it. So I don't really want to uh, comment, I guess, too much on it. But Tennessee is still in the thick of things with him. Uh, Uri Collins, we'll talk about here in a second, uh, staying at St. Louis. The guy Tennessee did get was Tyree Key, who is coming from Indiana State. Of course, did not play last season. I'm hopeful uh, by the time you're all listening to this that I will have a podcast out not too long after this one where I, I speak with someone who covered Indiana State um, over the last few years and got to you know watch up close in, per- in person Tyreek Key for four years at Indiana State. Trying to get Tyreek on the show. We'll, we'll see if it happens. Um, he does not use social media very much, so uh, I don't know if he'll get back to me and, and or anything like that, but I've reached out to him and see if he would like to come on the show, so we'll, we'll see if he hops on and, and, you know, I'm able to get him on interview, but um, Gene, in, in his four years at Indiana State, uh, he was a really good offensive player, really good shooter, had a shoulder issue that he, again, had to have sh- the, 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 the surgery on. That's the biggest hang-up for me is how does he bounce back from that, you know, the shoulder issue that he had. It's not like, again, like I said last week, it's not like the Lamonte Turner issue was not the same injury or same kind of deal that he had, but it was an issue where you saw his three point shooting drop off significantly uh, from his junior year to his senior year at Indiana state where he, as a sophomore shot 44.8% from three as a junior 38.9, which again, you know, that's a drop off from 44, but still 39% is as really good three point shooting, especially in college. Um, but then as a senior it dropped down to just under 32% as a 31.6% from three. Um, but again, his points per game actually went up from his junior year because he's also a pretty solid um, two-point shooter, Gene. He he's he shot 55% from two as a junior, almost actually 55.5% as a sophomore, excuse me. 
just under 50% from two as a junior and then as a senior, 55.4%. So I go back to that you know, 55.5% like he did as a sophomore. So he's a pretty good two-point shooter, and he is exceptional at drawing fouls. Uh, he averaged over five free throws per game basically all, all three years that he played outside of his freshman year. Um, 80% free throw shooter as well. Uh, looking at the kind of the advanced stat stuff on Ken Palm, uh, he was consistently in the top 100, top 200 uh, most years or close to most years uh, and fouls drawn per 40 and also kind of at free throw rate as well. He was really high up there. So he's a guy that did a really good job of, of drawing fouls, of getting to the free throw line. Um, he attempted over 100 free throws, actually over, yeah, well over 100 free throws every year. But his freshman year, in this freshman year, he attempted 88. Um, Gene, he would have, this past season, he attempted 117 free throws in just 23 games um, for, I guess, this past year, the year before last, in the, I guess, the COVID year, actually. He attempted 113 free throws, 117 free throws in 23 games. Um, that would have been number one on Tennessee's team by a long shot. Tennessee didn't have a single player attempt 100 free throws this year. Uh, Kenny Chandler got close. He had 99. So, okay. You know, basically, Kenny Chandler was the only guy, and Vescovy had 92. But, I mean, yeah, Tyreek Key, yeah, Tennessee didn't have a single guy get 100 free throw attempts this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. But Key is, uh, again, I, I like his game defensively. You know, it, I haven't seen too much of, like, defensive film of him. But he didn't, doesn't have a bad uh, defensive box minus or box plus minus. It's kind of average, I guess, o- overall. But I like the pickup gene, and I think as we kind of talked last week about it, uh, in terms of like looking at how, how you kind of judge pickups right now, he's basically to me the replacement for the spot that Victor Bailey Jr. leaves behind. And assuming that he has recovered from that shoulder surgery and can be even serviceable, can, can he be a, a thirty-three to thirty-four percent three-point shooter, which you know, that's not asking uh, too much, but can you do that? And can he still be a guy that goes and draws fouls and gives you 20 minutes a, a, a game? I think that's an improvement over Victor Bailey. And I, 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 I like this pickup. I think he is a bigger body type of guard who can be, you know, the bigger two, or I guess kind of a bigger two. He's a 6'3", 205. Maybe he plays the three and you move Josiah to the four as well and, and see kind of how that works out. But I, I like the potential there. Again, he's also a Tennessee native, played for Salina uh, and played for Clay County High School, was a star there for Clay County High School as well, um, but decided to go to Indiana State where he, again, scored in four seasons, Gene. He put up 1,600 points for Indiana, actually 1,650 points to be exact uh, for Indiana State. So really good score. And again, I, hopefully the injury wasn't anything too significant, but 17.4 points, 15.6 points, 17.2 points. Those are what he did in his uh, three years after his freshman year. So I like the pickup. It's really going to be contingent on how he bounces back from that shoulder surgery and kind of what his role is going to be on the roster. But again, Tennessee's had so much turnover now that there's plenty of minutes there to be taking for the taking as, as kind of like we said last week. Yeah, it's, it's, it was always going to be a case of who, who was going to get him and you know, it's interesting how much things can change in a week. Um, we didn't know about Powell. I think, I think it was mentioned. I think I maybe alluded to. We'll see what happens at that position because a lot of bodies. Um, and I, I could see in, in the case of a kid like Powell, he's just looking around. He's like, "Come on, man! You you, brought, you essentially brought in my replacement." And that's welcome to college basketball. Um, 
kids, you know, this kid's been more productive in college than, than, than you have. Um, I'll, I'll be interested to see just what this kid's role is, especially as the roster starts to, um, you know, kind of set itself up. I mean, you know, Tennessee still has some work to do. Uh, maybe not necessarily at that position, but they do, they probably they still have some more work to do as far as that roster. And you know, the question is just can he make himself one of the eight or nine? Uh, that production, those four years at Indiana State, really have very little significance on right now. Um, you know, could he be a kid that maybe averages nine, ten points a game? Perhaps. Will he give Tennessee? Mark this on April 27th. He will give Tennessee a 20 to 25 point game. And I think it'll be in the game that matters to not UTC or ETSU. I think he'll have one of those games because, you know, kids like that that have been through battles and wars for four years that are finally getting that chance on this stage usually have a moment like that. Um, So when he has that 20 to 25 point game, in January or February next year, when you and I are sitting there having this conversation, again, uh, I'll just remind you, this was going to happen. Uh, but I, I like, you know, I think we talked about it last We alluded to all this stuff last week. It's a nice pickup. He's got some nice advanced stats. I was just glancing at him a minute ago. Um, we'll be, you know, he, he's always had a decently high, you know, like, it's getting nerdy for a second. He's always had like a decently high usage rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty high last year. Well, his last healthy season, you know, at 23 point or I was his PER, his usage was tw- almost 26%. And having the ball in your hands that much, that's a lot. That's a quarter of the time that you mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's over. That's literally, that's not things. I, I saw some of that stuff with Powell too. Um, you know, you certainly hope that he's an upgrade from Powell slash Bailey. Um, but it's an adjustment. I mean, he's never had a usage rate of low of higher than 18.5%. And uh, that's going to be tough for him. I, I do I do think it's going to be tough for him this season. And but if he can if he can figure it out and he can be productive, then you've now just obtained a, a shooter and a kid who has uh, who has produced it, it, in you know the highest levels of college basketball? Not this, not against like all the top competition, but um, he's produced, and that's all you can really ask for. Uh, oh, and by the way, his usage rate would be similar to that of Josiah Jordan James. His worst season at Indiana State—that's how much he had the ball in his hands. His worst season, so. Imagine, you know, that's, you know, Josiah had it a fair amount. Uh, and I think that's about what his worst season was. So that kid, that kid's used to playing with the ball. He's not going to have that chance. So can he fit himself into the role of just being a straight-up shooter? And if he can, how good can he be at that? Because that will determine just how good of a pickup this is. Yeah, and I've also like I've been looking at his his numbers and stuff on on Kim Palm, but what his his stats were versus tier A and tier B teams, which is you know basically you know, you know I guess top tier. So like I think tier A is like top twenty five schools or something like that in, in the Kim Palm rankings, 
and he hasn't like he hasn't been bad in those tier in the tier A games throughout his career in the the times that Indiana State has you know they played um, you know stellar competition especially the last two years where he was there I guess really the last three outside of his freshman year when they played you know the tier A and tier B teams uh, looking at what Kim Palm says tier A and B represent top fifty and top one hundred opponents respectively adjusted per game location you know so for road games neutral side or home games so top you know top 50 is the, the tier a and then top 100 is tier b so he, he's performed well in those games and of course tennessee's schedule will be a lot of that in the sec so it wasn't like he's you know he just beat up on a bunch of you know smaller schools and stuff and also the, the missouri valley conference where he's coming from that's a generally a, a pretty solid conference that's one that has uh louis chicago who's been really darn good the last few years Northern Iowa has had their their moment in the summer. They've been pretty good over the years as well. Um, Missouri State's had some times where they've been good. It's like they, they, they've had some, you know, there's been good schools in the MVC over the last few years. Um, yeah, exactly. Like they're they're, they're going to be they're they're consistently one of the the better, um, I guess, group of I guess uh, mid major schools. That that's what I'm looking for. My my brain just decided it was going to go into football mode for a second. Um, <laughs> they're consistently one of the better. Uh, mid-major uh, conferences out there and they played some pretty decent uh, non-conference teams too they played Dayton and Louisville um, a couple years ago they played Auburn they played Purdue I think they played Auburn uh, they did they, they for sure played Purdue um, the, year, the year he got hurt in the COVID year I guess not hurt but the year in his in the COVID year they played them again they played Louisville they played Dayton uh, they played TCU they played someone else Colorado UNLV they played TCU twice actually that's interesting and then, yeah, his freshman year, they played Auburn. Uh, so that was a different Auburn team. But they played Indiana, Auburn in that year as well. So uh, played some, again, some good teams throughout his his time. Not not just MVC teams, but also the MV, a lot of the Missouri Valley teams he played. Those are also pretty solid teams. Um, so, I, I again, I'll be looking forward to talking to the writer who you'll get to see him firsthand and what he did at Indiana State and kind of if he knows anything about where you know his, his recovery from the shoulder surgery will be. But Gene, we already mentioned it too, that <laughs> earlier in the week, Tennessee, you know, we, we talked about it being Tyreek Key, Yuri Collins, and Julian Phillips being the big trio for Tennessee. And we felt good about Tennessee getting two of those guys with Key and Collins. And then Collins goes in and, uh, you know, makes the announcement that he's going to be returning to St. Louis, takes his name out of the portal. And I guess also out of the NBA draft consideration and is going to stay at St. Louis. At the time, I saw a lot of people freaking out, saying, "Oh my God, you know, we're I can't. If, if, what if we only add B.J. Edwards and Tyree Key? What you know, this has been a disaster of an offseason. Look at all these transfers. You know, we we went, we needed a point guard. We can't get this guy. Where, where are we going to go next?" And I thought, guys, we're in, in mid to late April. Like, it'll be okay. There's going to be some more guys here even the next week who put their name in the transfer portal because of, you know, they can <laughs> because May first deadline is is still not here yet. I you know, hold off. And it wasn't again. It wasn't like a large contingent. But there's enough people where I was like. It, it, it'll be okay. Like there's plenty of time left that this is unfortunately for people who don't like turnover. This is more or less going to be the, the new norm for college basketball. And especially in April where there is a lot of roster turnover for basically every school. Not every school is going to have the same amount that Tennessee has had the last couple of years, but a lot of schools are going to have four five, six spots open up because of people going to the NBA because of people transferring out. Well, Gene, <laughs> no, not too long after the, I guess maybe a, a day or two after the Yuri Collins people had their, their moment to discuss and debate and freak out over it. Uh, Terry's Hunter, who is an 
a transfer from Iowa State, a point guard uh, who was the Big 12 freshman of the year for Iowa State last year, dropped his top six and Tennessee was in it. And it came out shortly after that Tennessee is one of the three schools that he's going to be visiting. Um, and this is a kid who you mentioned it, like as, as experienced as Yearly Collins was, I, I thought he would have been a really good distributor. Again, led the, the entire college basketball division one and assists last year. Also led it in turnovers. Um, but I, I was a little worried about his shooting because he seemed like a severe Wheeler type, but at a smaller school and also shot the ball less than severe Wheeler did. And, and, and I was never super, super impressed with Wheeler's offense. He could do some things, but Collins seemed like a little bit more of a limited offensive player than what even Wheeler was. However, Tyrese Hunter, I like, you know, not like he's going to be a guy that is going to be, you know, like Kennedy Chandler can drop, you know, 15, 20, 25 points on you uh, in, in any given night. But Hunter's a, a really skilled player as a, as a true freshman. Again, was a Big 12 freshman of the year this past year. 11 points, basically five assists per game, 4.9 assists, three and a half rebounds as a kid who is six foot 178. So, you know, basically Kennedy Chandler out there grabbing three and a half boards, dishing out five assists, and scored 11 points per game. Not an incredible three-point shooter, uh, 27% from three. Uh, not an incredible free throw shooter either, but I think about you know just under 70%. But not a bad two-point shooter. And his defense, very good. Um, I think his, yeah, his defense, of, uh, uh, the, block, the box plus minus, was a 3.7, which is really good, uh, especially for a true freshman. He's a guy who I think... You know, I, I think Tennessee has a pretty good shot. They, I believe I saw where they, they sent their coaches to visit him this week. And also, again, he'll be coming, I believe, this weekend to Knoxville. If it's not this weekend, it's the next weekend. But he's coming to visit Tennessee at some point. Uh, but he was a highly rated prospect coming out of high school. Again, the Big 12 uh, all-freshman team, Big 12 freshman of the year. Um, I think he would be a very good pickup for Tennessee. And I think you said already earlier, Gene, that I honestly think he would be a better pickup than Yuri Collins if Tennessee gets him again that's an if because I don't know that Tennessee would even be considered the leader for him at this moment in time but I I think Tyrese Hunter would be a great consolation prize for Tennessee for missing out on Collins but honestly I think he might he, he's a higher ceiling maybe even a lower floor type of guy than Collins because Collins was he'd been in you know in college basketball for three or four years and you kind of knew what you'd get from him uh, Hunter has a lot, you know, still that he can develop, but he also could be, you know, what if he peaked already as a freshman, but I, I don't think he has, but I also, uh, by the way, average two steals per game, which again, that's what Kenny Chandler got you too. The, the, him and Sakai were both guys getting two steals per game last year at Tennessee. Um, point is, Gene, people were worried about Yuri Collins after he went back to St. Louis. And now all of a sudden you have this point guard who is, I think, widely considered one of the best point guard prospects that's been in the transfer portal so far this year. Again, doesn't mean Tennessee is going to get him or anything like that, but uh, a big name to watch and, and one that I am very intrigued by uh, that Tennessee is looking at. Yeah, and you have to like the upside. Yeah. Um, more anything else, I mean, he's giving you 11, 5, and 3. Um, can't shoot. That can... Hopefully he's got a stroke that can be developed. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, like I, I haven't seen the shot to know if it's just in need of just some, you know, just some work or if he just can't shoot. Uh, like you look and if this this is the perfect sort of kid for uh, a Barnes program because. You know, I think he 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 appears to distribute it well. He'll guard. Uh, he'll guard from ninety four feet. 
and that's huge. Uh, I mean, yeah. like he he seems willing to compete, uh, and that's that's big. Uh, doesn't necessarily care care too much about scoring uh, because you know he obviously didn't shoot a high percentage. Uh, you know, didn't even didn't make half of his two point attempts. Uh, didn't make you know barely made. Uh, you know, twenty five percent. I mean, yeah, barely made a fourth of his his threes, um, and didn't shoot a great percentage of lines. He doesn't necessarily care about scoring, but he, he, you know, it's good. It's good to have that aspect. It's good to have that you know that element to your game. But you know, this kid, uh, just looking at the just raw numbers, not having seen the kid play for a second, just seems like a tough nose point guard that looks like he's not. He's obviously not afraid to go in there. And, you know, get bloodied up a little bit and get dirty to fight for the team. And um, he's an intriguing person in the portal just because it ain't like Iowa State is Indiana State. <laughs> you know, no knock on Indiana State. It's just usually your freshman of the year in a good league. Uh, you don't leave. And I don't recall Iowa State losing their coach unless I'm – I don't remember – their coach, I I, to be honest, you know, I, I didn't really follow Iowa State basketball that much, so like I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, I think the last time I remember looking, like Steve Crom, who's back at Murray State again for the second time, I think he may have been the, the Iowa State coach at the time. Uh, uh, it's TJ Otzenberger. That's who it is. That's right. He's been there for a while, so yeah. that's so it's interesting. Well, no, that, this is that was actually this past year was his first year there. He was at uh, UNLV before he came to Iowa State. Yeah. Well, but, you know, well, I'm saying that he brought Tyrese Hunter in, mm-hmm. unless the kid signed and decided to stick through it, whatever. Um, but that's just that's an interesting piece to the portal, um, just because that's a kid who usually in a league like that doesn't just leave. Maybe he didn't like his development or something like that. I don't know, but uh, usually pieces like that uh, more productive. I mean, this isn't like Justin Powell, who, you know, obviously when he was at Auburn, he was productive, but then he had the, you know, he had concussions. And, you know, they brought in some guys that could kind of take his spot. Um, so he left, you know, I mean, like he only got 10 games to prove himself, and then they kind of moved on from him because of the, the injuries. Whereas this kid played like every game last year for an NCAA tournament team, if I recall, and is in the portal. Um, I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just saying that's a great piece that you wouldn't expect to be in the portal that you can get. Is he in addition? I mean, is he probably better than Collins? I'd say so just because of the upside, but I can't really judge upside in 2022 considering this stuff is always on a year to year, you know, plan. And upside is only good if you keep the kids that are in your program. Yeah. I mean, Tennessee fans should know that more than anybody else. Uh, perhaps more than anybody else in the country not named Kansas or Villanova because most of these other programs don't keep kids more than like a year or two. Those two schools in particular seem to keep top-level players for three, four years, and it's no surprise that those are two teams that are competing for championships every single year. So uh, if you can get them, you get them. Uh, I mean, it's probably a long road, Uh I guess obviously I would, if I was Tennessee, I may kick the tires on Malachi Smith if you just are determined to get another piece um, because that is a 6'4 guard 
who is eager to prove himself, although I think he's going to end up in the SEC somewhere else. Um, that is a 6'4 guard who is tough and can play. But that's obviously only if this doesn't work out. And plus, Malachi is a little bit different than what Rick Barnes' guards typically look like. Uh, a lot bigger bodied. His guards are usually smaller. Um, but, I mean, if you can get a kid who averaged 20, uh, 27 and 3 and shot 50, 40, 80 this year, uh, you certainly, uh, you certainly at least fill that out. Um, but we'll see. I mean, obviously, let's get past uh, Tyrese Hunter's future plans first because that's a person who you've made enough inroads with. Uh, to suspect that that's that you've got a chance with him. Uh, Malachi is still going to play around with the draft and we'll see what happens there, but I don't think that that's, uh, that's going to happen for him this year. And that'd be a person I would look at if, you know, the second he decides to take his name out of the draft uh, consideration. Although again, I think that there's a really, really good chance he ends up in the SEC uh, wearing Garnet and gray. Garnet in black. Whatever South Carolina's colors are, I'm not going to – whatever their colors are, Garnet in black, I guess. Uh, that's kind of where I think he's going to end up if he does decide not to go back to – I mean, not to stay in the draft. Well, I mean, that would make sense. Look who South Carolina hired. Um, Gene, I, I need you to – I need – I'm going to go donate, I guess, to Spire or something. I, I need Malachi Smith at Tennessee. Like that I, – I, I've not wanted to transfer – the Tennessee that bad. I mean, I just don't think there's any connection there. I, I said that on Twitter. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't see this ever happening. I don't even see that there's, a, you know, a connection there. But like you said, there's <laughs> kick the tires, do something. I, I would love for that to happen. For I, I think Malachi is a, a just a baller. Like he is a he was really fun to watch at UTC this past year. And I, I was really hoping UTC would be able to go on a run in the tournament because he's the he was the type of guy that is made for that March spotlight. Um, I really like Malachi. So, man, I would hate for him to come to the SEC and Tennessee to play him, though. Um, but really quickly, back to Tyrese Hunter. He's a guy who uh, I was also looking at this article on, on 247 Sports about him. Um, finished the season with a 32.1 assist rate, which ranked 40th in the entire country. So that's according to Kim Palm, which very solid, for especially for, again, a true freshman in a Power 5 conference um, finishing top 40 in, in assist rate is really solid. Uh, he's actually rated right now on, on two or seven as the number two rated player in the updated transfer portal rankings. So, um, he, he's the number two player currently in the transfer portal, basically, um, on two or seven right now, which again, um, take a lot of those of the grand salt with the transfer portal stuff. That's, I thought really cool to see his top six schools, by the way, that include Tennessee were Texas, Kansas, Louisville, Gonzaga, Purdue and Tennessee, because of course Purdue. Um, those are that, that's a pretty darn good list of teams right there. Uh, a couple of blue bloods it listed in. There. I mean, I guess I, I would consider Louisville. I guess a blue blood. They're, they're a borderline blue blood, but I think I'd consider them one. Gonzaga has been really, really, really good the last fifteen years or so. Of course, Kansas is a blue blood. Texas, not you know, not a bad program, and Purdue's been very solid over the last decade um, as well. So, and of course, Tennessee has you know, Thunder Rick Wine's been very solid, and they've had uh, a lot of really solid moments in the last fifteen years or so. 
So he's got a really good list of, of teams there, and a couple of them still in the Big 12 if, if he wants to stay in the Big 12. Um, kind of wrapping things up here, Gene, besides me bugging you about Malachi Smith and me wanting him to come to Tennessee, and I don't unfortunately think it'll happen. Uh, Tennessee has also extended an offer to another 2022 prospect who he's looking, Gene, you know, I guess for lack of a better comparison, he kind of is looking like a post player version of Zaghai Ziegler from last year in terms of, again, you know, Ziegler's not the only one that's ever done this, but just for example, for Tennessee, uh, of a guy who is coming on really strong in AAU play, but also make the, the Ziegler connection because this kid's from the Bronx also played for Cardinal Hayes and he's been playing for the same uh, AAU team that Zaghai Ziegler played for, the NH Lightning. Um, he's been making a name for himself at the EYBL. I think actually, I think they may have just uh, finished up, but uh, I've been trying to find stats and stuff for it, but everything I've, I've found is behind paywalls and everything. So I'll try to get stats, everything I can, but apparently this, this guy, Tobey Awaka is his name. 6'8", 240, um, power forward type of guy, you know, basically a four position type of guy um, has really been lighting up on the EYBL circuit, the AAU circuit lately. And has gotten a lot of interest from a lot of teams. He picked up a bunch of different offers. I think Pitt was one of them. Maryland, I think, was one of them. Um, maybe St. Joe, St. Joe. One of the, the St. teams also um, offered him. Look at the, the Session 2 Day 1 results where NH Lightning played BABC. Uh, he finished with 11 points and 14 boards, 4 assists, and 2 steals. He, he's been, I think, averaging basically a double-double in the EYBL and again not just like a 10 10 but averaging like 12 14 per game so he, he's been like very strongly averaging a double double um for the EYBL or for the NH Lightning Gene this is an interesting one to, to again for the Peach Jam which again was where Zakai Ziegler popped up on on the radar for teams and for Tennessee um he currently holds offers on rivals according to rivals well they have not they haven't updated a while here you go Pitt uh, St. Peter's actually, you know, the, the darling from the NCAA tournament, but Pitt's kind of the big one, but I, I saw different people, I think Adam Zagoria and I want to say Andrew Slater tweeting out about a lot of the offers he's picked up lately. But again, Tennessee has been, has offered him as well. Gene, I don't know if it'll happen, but Tennessee's got plenty of room. They currently only have one, you know, signee in the 22 class and BJ Edwards. I think this is a guy to watch out for. And I haven't seen really too much film of his. I've seen a couple highlights here and there. He looks more like the type of four, obviously, that Brandon Huntley Hatfield was not. But again, he has the build of a, a 6'8", 240. He looks a little bit more like the uh, the four type of player that Rick Barnes likes in his program. And I, I, again, I wouldn't expect him to come in and be like Ziegler. It, it's harder to, to me, unless you're a true just star, like we were just talking about with those Kentucky players a few years ago. Unless you're one of those guys, it's harder to have like immediate success, like we caught, we saw with Ziegler as a true freshman. I, I would not expect Tobey Awaka to come in and, and be as the guy Ziegler in the post for Tennessee if he comes to Tennessee. But I think he, you know, is a very interesting option. I think he would be a, a, a much better fit for a post player than what, you know, than some of the guys that Tennessee's tried to bring in over the last few years, like a, like a Corey Walker or like a, a Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Yeah, because from what little I've read about this kid so far, it's not like he's lived his entire existence uh, out on the perimeter. Um, right. This is a kid who is just completely out here, you know, just grinding. I, I'm seeing him post up, and I just saw him dunk on somebody. 
Um, you know, I, I saw some of those stats from the EYBL where he basically averaged 11 and 13. Um, yeah, last weekend in Indy. 11, you know, second team all conference or second team all whatever tournament. 11 points, 13 rebounds, shot 56% from the field. Uh, SMU's in on them now. Um, you know, I'm just, it, it's, this is the guy that you better get in on. <laughs> like, and it's, and it's smart that Tennessee's getting in on them because that EYBL circuit is, it's massively talented, uh, massively talented. St. John's, Pitt, Maryland, Rhode Island's now in the mix. Tennessee's now in the mix. Like, this is all stuff that's happened essentially in, what, three weeks, basically. Um, so this kid is – and that's bigger than – because I don't even know if Ziegler – Ziegler didn't get all this in eight. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, his – he had that one tournament, what, in August – or in July, I should no, say. Yeah. He, he he played in the Peach Jam, and they got where he got attention. But I, they read, I think it was wasn't even until later, and until maybe June or something, where he really got the the attention. Yeah, and so you're talking about a six eight kid who, you know, as you know, he's a six eight kid who you know understands the assignment. He understands what he's out there to do. He doesn't have like a disillusioned sense of who he is as a player. That's the type of kid who can come in and be effective right away. Because he is, um, he seems like he's just a tough, hard-nosed kid. I don't know how athletic he is. I don't know if any of the shots that he took were beyond five feet. I don't know. But he made 56% of the shots that he took in in uh, in Indianapolis this past weekend. And that tells me a lot. It tells me that it's, this is not just... This is not like Tennessee with Tomba, where it's like we know something that you all don't know, type stuff. Because there was not a single big school in the country that was after Tomba. Last year, this year, next year, I know he's a 2022 kid, but none of those schools were like showing that level of interest in him. This is a school. This is a coveted big man, late in the process. Uh, who a year a year ago probably saw none of this happen. So there's a hunger there. Like, that's kind of what happened with Zeke. There's a hunger that comes there when, you know, when you go from nothing to everything in the span of one weekend. And when people, you know, talk against, like, AAU basketball, this is the reverse of that. Because this kid, and I talk about it a lot of times with life-changing uh, moments, uh, last weekend could have been was essentially a life changing moment for this kid because whether he ends up in Tennessee or not, he did not expect this two weeks ago. Maybe he did. Maybe he knew this was the type of player he was, um, but he could not have imagined. Sorry, I'm just a little down as my bulls just got knocked out. Uh, but he could not have imagined that this would have transpired. You know, that long ago. And so if Tennessee can get a swoop in and get this kid, then you're talking about a kid who, much like Ziegler, is coming in hungry. We may not have the story of Ziegler, but that hunger is no less. And that's kids going to come in and compete for whatever he can get on a team where at this moment, it appears they need to do something. 
be alleviated through this. Yeah, I, I, I was while you were talking there, and and I was listening to like I was watching some of his highlights and watching him just attack the rim and like a lot of his shots we like were in and around the rim but like man he he moves well he's not does like this big you know kind of like bulky kind of six eight two four like he he moves really well um yeah and that's again just from watching limited film and stuff on him just now like i'm, I'm looking on twitter for film and stuff um yeah but like you said that, that this isn't just like a guy like you said that that, that tennessee has offered and it's like well, we, like you said maybe we know something you all don't a lot of a lot of schools are are getting on him right now that are that are needing some big men um, next year and and you know some not bad schools like Pitt and Maryland and Rhode Island and and whatnot. So uh, he, I, I'm very intrigued by Tennessee offering him and seeing kind of what happens with him. Yeah, averaging 11 and a half points, 13 rebounds, uh, 1.8 assists, one steal per game in the four games he played for um, NH Lightning in, in the Peach Jam. So I don't know if, you know, anything with timeline with him at all. Um, I don't even think he has a Twitter. I, I think most of the things I've seen mentioning of him or, you know, just talking about, him, I don't think he even has a Twitter. So, um, but yeah, he, he's, that's what, again, no name to watch, but Gene, there's, you mentioned Ben Shepard. There's other names that I've seen Tennessee tied to. I've already forgotten, but there was a, maybe from High Point, there was another, there's another like point guard or guard from a, a mid-major school Tennessee is interested in. There's also a kid from Oklahoma State I think Tennessee is interested in who's a point guard, if I remember correctly. Um, not nearly as many big men Tennessee's looking at, but they definitely are looking to add a guard uh, you know, of some sort, another point guard of some sort. It, it, that's very clear uh, from all the guys they've been pursuing. They want a point guard uh, with college experience to come in next season, even, even just one year like with um, Tyrese Hunter. Tennessee is looking for point guard experience next year to pair with um, Sakai Ziegler and also, you know, bring, you know, so that BJ Edwards, I think, doesn't have to be counted on as a, you know, the true backup to Ziegler or that Ziegler doesn't have to be counted on to be the true starter. But again, you know, I think, I think Ziegler, like you talked about, I mean, he, if he competed with Kennedy Chandler, no matter who Tennessee brings in, they're not guaranteed anything because Ziegler is going to push them to the limit because of how intense and how, competitive that kid is so i'm very excited for ziegler next year you know i'll say all this about these new additions potentially um it, it to me it's also just only going to further motivate ziegler kid doesn't need more motivation um but he's gonna get some for next year but uh gene we have so much more we could talk about or build on you know kind of that we've already talked about kind of build on it but i think this is a, a good spot to kind of end well i'm sure have a billion things to talk about next week when we do another episode um, maybe we'll Tennessee will have another addition by then. Maybe there'll be another person leaving or something from the roster. I don't know. Um, but I'm sure we'll have plenty of news next week and just updates on how things have gone with guys who have visited or guys Tennessee's reached out to that are in the portal. But thank you all so much for tuning in again. It's your first time here. We really appreciate that. Uh, you've given us a chance. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. Uh, we did a mailbag episode last week. We'll do a couple more mailbag ones here in the near future because it's the off season. And I like hearing what you guys want us to talk about and questions you may have and us trying to answer them as well. I don't think I said it earlier, but just in case I didn't, um, the deadline to withdraw names from the NBA draft, by the way, is June 1st. So all these guys, you know, Josiah, Vescovy, and yes, technically Kennedy Chandler as well have until June uh, June 1st to withdraw their names to return um, to college and remain eligible for next season. But again, thank you all for listening. If uh, you'd like to leave a like on this video, that'd be fantastic. It helps the videos to perform well and it helps our channel perform well as well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel while you're here. If you're listening on the podcast, 
subscribe to us there as well and leave us a five-star review we'd love that and we'll read it on here on the show if you write out a review as well signing off for gene i am nathaniel this has been another episode of the vol basketball fever podcast thank you for listening to the vol basketball fever podcast make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss a new episode subscribe to our youtube channel for more video content and follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Thank you, Vol fans.